Okay, well, today, of course, is Tuesday, August 12th, and um, I just wanted to mention that this is actually our one-year anniversary for Fiction Old and New. Last year, we started this group, and it's really been a, a real pleasure to, to be doing this group this year, and I hope that you all continue to come, and, and it's just been, it's really been a lot of fun. Um, so let me read a little information about Ann Patchett. And then we'll get started. Um, Ann Patchett was born on December 2nd, 1963, in Los Angeles, California. Her mother is the novelist Jean Ray. She moved with her mother to Nashville, Tennessee, when she was six years old. She attended Sarah Lawrence College, the University of Iowa Writers' Workshop, and the Fine Arts Center in Providencetown, Massachusetts. She has been married to her husband, a doctor, for six years after dating him for 11 years, and the couple live in Nashville. Um, Her first novel, uh, The Patron Saints of Liars, was published in 1992. It was a New York Times notable book of the year and was made into a 1998 movie. Her second novel, Taft, came out in 1994, And her third novel, The Magician's Assistant, published in 1997, was shortlisted for Britain's Orange Prize and won her a Guggenheim Fellowship. In 2001, she published Bel Canto, which won the Penn Faulkner Award, the Orange Prize, and was a finalist for the National Book Critics Circle Award. Her fifth novel, Run, was published in 2007, and her sixth novel, State of Wonder, was published in 2011. Um, she's also written five nonfiction books. A memoir about her friendship with the author Lucy Greeley, Truth and Beauty, came out in 2004. What Now in 2008. The Getaway Car, a practical memoir about writing and life in 2011. How Knitting Saved My Life Twice in 2013. And her most recent book is a book of essays called The Story of a Happy Marriage. Um, Bard has a eight of her 11 books, and Bookshare has two other of her books. Um, In 2011, Ann Patchett teamed up with Karen Hayes, an experienced sales rep for Random House, to open Parnassus, an independent bookstore in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, In an interview with NPR, Ann stated that the name Parnassus is the mountain in Greece where literature and music and poetry were born. And in 2012, Ann Patchett was included in a Time magazine's list of the 100 most influential people in the world. And then um, from an interview with the Washington Post, um, there were a couple of interesting things about the novel State of Wonder, which I I didn't know and I hope all of you find interesting. Um, A prominent couple from Nashville, Barbara and Jack Bovender, who you'll recognize the name from the novel, they paid the most at a charity auction to have their names mentioned in Anne's novel. And the name of the tribe, the Lakashi, came from Anne's uh, favorite cereal, Kashi cereal. Um, So I thought we'd start out by just seeing what everybody thought of State of Wonder. And one of the things that I was curious about was in the beginning of the novel, um, Dr. Swenson had written a letter to Mr. Fox saying that Anders was dead due to a fever. Did, did you all think that Anders was dead um, when, you, when you first read that um, in the beginning of the book? And let's see what everybody thought of, this, of the book. 
Well, this is Sherry. I really like the book. Um, I I should have known from all my years of watching soap operas in high school and college that until you find the body, somebody's really not never dead. But I didn't really think about it in this book. I just figured he was dead. The thing I found interesting, one of the many things, was uh, just the whole Amazon. I love anything written about the Amazon. I find it a fascinating location. And the whole uh, drug thing was was also very interesting. Yeah, um, let's see, where's my mic? Uh, yeah, hi, this is Jenny. Yes, I read this book about eight months ago, and I, for some reason it just didn't take with me, and I didn't really like it. Then I started the second time, and I found myself really infatuated with it. Um, in terms of thinking, was um, the doctor dead? I did think that, and I was also pretty horrified by the terseness of the note. I thought that was really insensitive. I thought, gosh, what if one of my loved ones had died and I got a note like this? Um, kind of, you know, very insensitive. Um, I, For myself, I have a weird thing about books. Don't tell me. Don't. I don't want to figure it out. No, no, no. Let me be surprised. I don't care. <laughs> so I know some people, they just really want to figure it out, who did it, and I, oh, no, 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 surprise me. And um, the language was astonishing, and um, I love medical fiction. I'm often very exasperated with Robin Cook because I love the way he sets up the beginning of his books. You know, I, I come from a, a lot of medical professionals in my family, and I think, oh, yeah, that's just right. Then at the end, they all kind of disintegrate into comic book um, action adventure, which doesn't seem very real. Now, in this book, it was the kind of book that um, medical fiction should be. The State of Wonder was an interesting title. You could look at it from um, The Wonder of the Amazon. The State of Wonder, is this really a good thing, the experiment that they're doing? And the book also made me think of hormone replacement therapy, which, um, you know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, uh, was also supposedly extending youth for people, but then was withdrawn from the market. And uh, so that was interesting. And I did really, really like the book. I can't, I'm not sure which one, and I'm looking for recommendations I want to read next, because I think the thing is the language was so fabulous, you know, I thought. For me, that was the main thing almost. Well, uh, I, I, I did not like it, so I, I, I'm tuning in to try to figure out maybe what happened, e- even though I didn't find it interesting enough to finish it to find out what happened. I got about halfway through it, and I just decided that uh, uh, I, I didn't like, uh, well, I, I couldn't stand Dr. Swenson. She seemed to, to be like a, an automaton uh, practicing science in the Amazon, and uh uh, although I, I liked uh, Morena pretty good, I just, I, I don't know, I just had a hard time. Uh, the, the plot just didn't grab me, and, and, and none of the characters really did either. Uh, uh, I thought Easter was pretty cool. Uh, uh, yeah, I assumed Anders was dead, and, and if uh, y'all are telling me that maybe he wasn't, th- that'll be interesting to know. It, it just seemed like it, it never really got to developed enough to 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 keep me reading it just uh it just didn't and uh uh y'all can talk about me i guess but yeah whatever and uh uh so i i'm gonna be mainly listening to find out uh uh, what i can pick up about it thanks i basically like the book this is the first book i've ever read by her and uh 
I, at least I'm going to read Bel Canto because if she had that much, you know, she was one of the hundred most influential people. I want to know why, but um, I never questioned, you know, the, that what that the doctor was dead. I mean, here was the letter saying he was, and and of course at that point we didn't know the doctor that well. So it, you know, as the character developed, <clears throat> you you kind of begin to get clues. Um, I was a little concerned the way the book ended, um, and maybe we can all get into that later, because um, I, I was sorry for Marina, whatever, I guess that's her name, um, at the end, and, and maybe I missed something because I was surprised, you know, that she just came back, basically, and her thing with Fox was obviously over, or at least it seemed to me it was obviously over, and as I say, I, I think we'll get into that. But overall, I liked the book. I liked some of the character development. Um, I, I thought that when uh, she and, and Barbara became better acquainted, that that was interesting. And, and uh, yes, it certainly prompted me to read another uh, Anne Patchett book. It's interesting you would say that about the characters, Alan, because that would be my one criticism of the book. I didn't think most of the characters really grabbed me either. They all kind of, a lot of them seem like minor characters in a way. I did like Marina and Easter, um, and also I heard an interview with Ann Padgett where she said the title was because Marina was in a state of wonder throughout the book, which I think is definitely the case. And, yeah, the ending with Easter was was shocking and very unpleasant but you know things can't always turn out happy and i'll feel i'll send you an email alan and fill you in on the details that you don't gleam from the discussion um first i i just wanted to mention kathy i don't know if you're familiar with the mechanics of participating in the group discussion because it's a little confusing people don't often you know, get told. So I'll, I'll just explain it. Um, what happens is if you want to talk, you put your finger on the control key and you keep holding the control key throughout when everybody, like when I'm talking and then if somebody's after me until it's your turn. When it's your turn, you're going to hear a chirp and that's when you start talking because I, I noticed that your your hand was up and then you took the, the um, your hand off the control key and I think that's a common thing that people do because I know when I started with the book discussions nobody explained to me the mechanics either so after I finish if everybody would except for Kathy and um, I know Don hasn't talked and Leela hasn't talked maybe we'll let them talk a little bit also um, and I just wanted to come back to something that Alan said about um, Dr. Swenson, who I thought was the most interesting character in the whole book, because we hear a lot about her before we meet her, and then we meet her at the opera when Marina went with Barbara and Jackie Bovender, and you know, you, you hear about her, you hear about what happened with Marina when Dr. Swenson was her superior at the hospital, and you know, she was so involved with Easter and she had a real feeling for Easter and you heard a little bit about her relationship with Dr. Rapp who was her mentor and she was really I thought she was kind of a really complicated character I don't know if I liked her or I didn't like her or I admired her in certain ways and certain the book twice and like Alan I 
really didn't care for it, so I, I didn't continue. I'm sorry, Kathy, we didn't hear some of that. Could you run that by us again? Um, I started the book twice, and like Alan, I really couldn't get into it, and I didn't continue and decided to listen tonight to find out what other people liked about it. Yeah, I've done that on many a book club, so that's fine. Well, I didn't like it. This is Don. I didn't like it at first, uh, the first part, but I and I think I missed the part with the opera. But I did get in there when she got into Brazil and uh, read its incredible description, very good description of how uncomfortable it is in the tropics and uh, getting in a, in a bad trip on an airplane. But uh, and the thing with I agree with. Esther or Easter was terrible. <laughs> it was really awful, and uh, she's an excellent writer. Whether I read another one of her books, I don't know. I also agree what was said about Robin, uh, whatever his name is, uh, Cook. Robin Cook. I his books. That's one of the best descriptions of it I've ever heard. <laughs> I actually liked the book. Um, I well, first of all, let me say happy anniversary. This is a great group. You guys have done a very good job, Sherry and Michelle. Secondly, that's funny about the cereal. I never would have thought of that. Lakashi, Kashi cereal. That's hilarious. Um, I did see the part about um, the Bovinders uh, and their name. Um, now to the book. I like the book. I also didn't like the ending. I thought it was very sad. Um, that poor little boy, he never knew what happened to him, basically. Um, and yes, I too thought that uh, the doctor was dead. And as for Dr. Swinson, I liked her. I didn't like her. I admired her. I wanted to kick her. Um... Marina, she really adapted very well to her surroundings. She had some issues, but really I felt like she adapted well. I loved it when, poor girl, when uh, they were basically taking her clothes off. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. What do I do now? And I, I love, I have never, like Jill, I have never read this author either, but I'm really glad I did. And I think that if I have some time, I might read another of her books. Well, I read The Patron Saint of Liars. I read Taft. I read The Magician's Assistant. I've, I've actually never read Bel Canto. I, I probably should read that one. That's her most famous one. And what did you think that Marina and Mr. Fox had a love relationship or... Was she in love with him and he wasn't in love with her? Or what did you think of their relationship? Well, I, I never figured that one out. I think it was a very casual thing. and I don't know if she was trying to get in with the boss or not, but it was still Miss... I guess she called him Mr. Fox to keep the affair under wraps, so to speak. I was going to say about Esther, Easter, that... Uh, you know, that happens all the time in foster home placements, though. He was placed back into his original tribe, and they would have thought that was a good placement to get it back to its home. Yeah, that's a good point. 
And I didn't know one of my questions on my list, too, was whether or not Marina and Mr. Fox had a relationship and whether it was over at the end or whether it was much of a relationship. And I think that goes back to what Alan said. I think the character development in some ways was a little weak here. I think what attracted me was the Amazon being a character. One of the things I was wondering about is the ethics and whether or not it would be a good idea to have a fertility drug like this where women could get pregnant in their 70s. I mean, given the overpopulation in the world, would it even be ethical to have such a drug and and give it to the world? Yeah, this is Jenny. I just wanted to comment briefly on the relationship. Um, I... um I guess a lot of the characters were kind of like peripheral characters, but I thought the relationship um, was sort of about, not to be too trite, um, how her dad had kind of abandoned her and how she was looking maybe for a father figure. I thought that um, it was kind of a lukewarm relationship, and I think at a a number of points they questioned whether it was going to go on. Um, And... uh, two of the characters, maybe they weren't very important, but I was very mystified by the two young people and what their motivations were for being there. And um, so that's it. Well, I thought she really loved him. And, and you know, we, we know that they were having physical relationship before she went away. Because And, and remember how disappointed she was when when he showed up and didn't you know, she felt like just running and grabbing him and kissing him and whatever, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen at all, and that just seemed odd to me. I mean, I thought he came all that way because he was concerned about her, and and it seemed so kind of offhand after he got there. I decided, you know, he was still more concerned about what Dr. Swinson was or wasn't doing than he actually was about her, so... and when I said, you know, I was upset at the end, it, was, it wasn't just what happened to Easter, but, I mean, she goes all the way back with the doctor, and she sees him being surrounded by his loving wife and his kids, and then, you know, she's just gone, and I'm thinking, okay, so now what are we supposed to think happened to her? And I got the feeling when she was really there in the jungle that she was taking in the whole thing and was really considering maybe staying there. What did the rest of you think about that? Yeah, that that's exactly how I felt. I felt that she was in love with Mr. Fox on some level, and she was very disappointed when he didn't really acknowledge her, and he said something like, this is my employee. And I didn't know at the end if Marina was pregnant because she was eating the bark, and she did have um, relations with Anders that one night. And I thought at the end of the story that she might be pregnant. Um, that was my feeling. And I didn't think that she would go back to her job at Vogel Pharmaceuticals. So it was a little – there were things definitely that were ambiguous. We don't really know what happened to her. And, uh, you know, with Mr. Fox, I just thought, you know, what was he there for? I mean, was he there – to protect his investment in the medicine, or was he there for her? I, I don't know. He probably was there for for the medicine more than for her. And I, I have to say, the idea of unlimited fertility, I know men have unlimited fertility, theoretically, and I personally don't think it's a great thing, and I don't, I don't think it's a great thing for either sexes. I don't know 
how wonderful it is, you know, at a certain point for children to have parents that are so much older than they are or even how you could cope with everything you have to cope with. So I think it's a bad thing, actually. I, I, really, I wouldn't like to see this, this kind of a medicine available. Well, I've heard women talk about childbearing, you know, through all my adult years. And why any of them would want to have a child into the 70s is totally beyond me based on how hard I hear it is when they're like in their 20s and their 30s and, you know, and maybe a little bit older. So, uh, uh, and after listening to y'all talk, uh, my problem with the book was there just didn't seem to be any passion in it. I don't know. I mean, Dr. Swenson was like totally devoid of any human expression, it seemed like to me. She had no... Uh, she didn't seem like she was touched by anything. Maybe that developed with with Easter as as it went on, but I didn't see it in the in the first half of the book. And and since everybody seems to be having trouble deciding what kind of relationship uh, Morena was having with Mr. Fox, I mean, I thought they they had some kind of physical relationship, but they didn't have any passion either. It's just, I, I, it just there there just wasn't any of that at all that that I could find in, in the first part of the book. So. You know, I, I, I got to have a little bit more than that to to to, to keep my interest. In it. it just didn't seem to be there. Um, after I say something, can we all let off the mic? Because I just wanted to see if Kathy had anything to say. Um, but I, I have to say, I actually disagree with you, Alan. I thought there was a lot of passion in the story. Um, I thought that Dr. Swenson was a very passionate character in the sense that she was very driven about. Her, her purpose in life and her purpose in life I think was to overcome um, the obstacles that women had in the medical perfection which she did but also she really wanted to um, you know accomplish this malaria medicine it started out that she went there for fertility to come up with a fertility drug but she was very involved with the malaria medicine and I think she was in her own way a, a passionate person just passionate about her her career and Marina I think was just you know she was sort of finding herself and and she was a very likable character um and you know I think she just ended up with Mr. Fox because it was as sometimes happens it was very convenient but I'm going to just ask everybody to take their hand off the control key for a minute and let's let's see if Kathy wants to say anything because she hasn't had a chance okay well if you change your mind Kathy feel free so if anybody wants to continue go ahead I think um, the one thing about Dr. Swenson is that you're right, she was passionate about her career, and I really liked her better once I found out she was just playing along with this you know, fertility thing. She was really looking to come up with a malaria drug, and malaria drugs, as we know, are not profitable for pharmaceutical companies because the rich countries aren't buying a lot of malaria drugs, so that was to her credit. Um, I also thought, I think it was Jill that said she thought Marina was going to stay in the Amazon. I thought she was, too. I was kind of surprised she left, but I think it was because after the thing with Easter, her heart just wasn't in it anymore, and she just didn't want to stay anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I should have clarified. There didn't, didn't seem to be any human-to-human uh, -human passion uh, 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 amongst the characters, of course. I didn't get to the part about uh, uh, her doing malaria research. That came after when I stopped. And uh, and since I thought Anders was dead, I didn't get to the part about uh, apparently Anders and uh, Morena having a uh, 
physical relationship. The only the only passion that se- that any character seemed to have any passion somewhat was was Karen was the was the wife who thought her husband had died I guess and uh, uh, the, the, that I could find. I think that she, she did bring out the the physical problems of a seventy five year old woman having a baby. Uh, I mean, you'd have to have a cesarean any time it is. So I, I don't think it's a practical scheme unless the world really gets short of somebody really, really wants to have a baby. You don't have royal dis- primogeniture anymore or anything like that. So there'd be no real reason to risk one's life that way. Well, I'm really surprised that Dr. Swinson even survived it's very sad that the child didn't, but I'm really surprised that she did. She even survived. And as for Marina going, I thought she was going to stay too, and I think she would have had the whole thing with Easter not happened. That was so, so sad. Um, and as for her and Mr. Fox, that was just, yeah, I think it was convenient. And I think he was a jerk. Um, one minute he's like, oh, Marina, Marina, I'm so worried about you. You have two phones. Oh, no, I'll send you another one. Don't worry. And then he gets there and for what? (laughs) I don't know. He was, he was just a jerk. Um, I thought the Bovenders were a bit dippy to me. They just seemed out there. I mean, at least Barbara took care of her, but still, they were dippy. I couldn't help wondering, as as the the type of character that Dr. Swenson was, I couldn't help wondering who in the world did impregnate her. That's a good question. I would like to know who impregnated her, too, actually. You know, the Bovenders, I thought Barbara Bovender was a lot sharper than we thought. You know, the husband uh, it was definitely dippy, but the, the Barbara, I thought she was probably a shrewd cookie and she just didn't come across that way, but she just struck me that way. Um, and there was one line in the book that I wrote down because it was really kind of interesting to me. Um, one of the issues, I guess, is whether when we go into these remote areas, you know, do we change um do we change the environment? Do we change what, what's there? And Dr. Swenson said at one point that the question is whether you choose to disturb the world around you or if you choose to let it go as if you've never arrived. The point is to observe life they themselves have put in place and learn from it. But that really wasn't the case because Dr. Swenson and then Marina both um, intervened in medical situations and Dr. Swenson certainly intervened when it came to Easter. So it wasn't really like they went in to do their research and didn't have any um, impact on on the environment or the, the people that live there. So I, I don't know that you could go in and not really have an impact. And I thought that was an interesting issue that she talked about a little bit in the book. Yeah, that is interest, an interesting point. Um, I think we did find out who impregnated Dr. Swenson. She had a picture of him, and I think he was some famous scientist or something that had been there, something like that, because I remember Marina t- mentioning that he was attractive or made some comment about him. Um, since we have so a couple, at least two people on the list that didn't finish the book, I'm going to just quickly tell you what happened 
Um, it turns out that Barbara Vovender, when she led a group down there, got lost and came across this really violent tribe and where Easter had come from. And she thought she was hallucinating and saw her father. And it was a white man. And Marina figured out that that was probably Anders. And she talked to Swenson, and Swenson admitted that they really didn't have a body. She just assumed he was dead, and so that's why she told him he was dead. So Marina gets Easter and uh, someone else, and they go down there with gifts to give to this tribe to get Anders back. And it turns out since this is the tribe Easter was from, since they saw Easter, Swenson had told them that Easter had died. They didn't want the gifts. They wanted Easter. And so Marina gives Easter to them and takes Anders and leaves Easter sitting there looking bewildered and, and scared and not knowing what the heck to think about it. it's, it's a really a shocking horrible horrible thing to have happen and then in the heat of the night marina and anders end up having sex that night just because they're both it's the high tension and all that it's kind of that's kind of trite in my opinion and then uh, marina takes anders home so that sums that up. One of the other questions I had was, and at some point in the book, the scientists are deliberately infecting natives with malaria and then using this drug to cure them. And that really struck me as pretty unethical, too. Well, th- well, thanks for that summary, uh, and, and, and thanks for uh, just validating that, 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 that I shouldn't have read the rest of it. But uh, uh, I, that's a horrible ending with Easter. That I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to experience that. That's uh, that's terrible, and it's all it's very unbelievable that that Dr. Swenson was impregnated by anybody. But uh, I guess uh, maybe if I'd have read more, I, I, I would have gotten the passion I was looking for. You know, I, I don't know who impregnated Dr. Swenson. I know she had a relationship with Dr. Rapp, but Dr. Rapp was older than her, and I think that's like. If I remember correctly, she had been down there for 10 years, and before that she was teaching at a college and going back and forth. So I don't know if that's the scientist that – but you're right. I don't know who would have actually impregnated her with that. It was an interesting question. Um, but I, I also think that it's not surprising to me that if they go into a remote area like that, that they're going to use – whatever people are around because they were giving themselves malaria treatments as well and I think the women were also chewing on the bark as well so it's 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 not surprising I mean they're they're scientists and I think that they I think sometimes scientists don't view people it's like when you go to the doctor sometimes you feel like they don't view you as a person you know you just sort of your symptoms or whatever um, it's a certain mindset, and it's 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 not a, it's not that shocking I, personally to me, you know, to think of that. Um, but I think one of the things that for me that was the most interesting about was all the different settings. I think she does settings really well. I think when um, Marina came down and she was in the town of Manaus, and you met the Bovenders, and there was that store, and there was Milton, and you know, when they were on the river and then when they went to the, the Lakashi settlement, I really had a real sense of all the different places that they that they were in in the story. And I thought she just does, she does place really, really well. It, it, it sort of became a character almost in the story. Yes, hi, this is Jenny. I wanted to comment on um, the isolation and um, what would have been, at how protective, in a way, Dr. Shenna was of her experimentation and what would have happened if she had opened up 
her all the um, to the whole scientific community. Would that have been a disastrous thing? Would have been ultimately for the good? I mean, would the malaria treatment have progressed more quickly? And um, I remember that one gentleman that was subjected to several people were given cokes and then given the malaria and but apparently they didn't get terribly sick. So I mean, I've actually um, you know taken part in some bio you know experiments and they tell you your rights. But, and obviously that was a, a violation not to have, you know, not to for that person to have informed consent. But on the other hand, I didn't feel myself so violently opposed to it since they had thought through that this wasn't going to, that they were going to be able to cure the malaria. But still, do the ends justify the means? Well, I'm not sure I'd like to get bit by ten dozen mosquitoes just to see if I would get malaria, just to feel the sickness, just to get well. Ooh. Um... I no, I, I don't blame Marina for not doing that. I don't blame her one bit. And as for um, Dr. Swinson and Dr. Rapp, I think he was a doctor too. Um, did you think that in her own way she wanted to kind of be like him? So she kind of pushed her feelings and passion, if you will, quoting Alan's word, aside, but yet it kind of leaked out every once in a while, like with Easter, and sometimes with Marina as well. I mean, that was kind of my thought. Yeah, I think so. I think that she was, you know, an emotional person in a way, and I think sometimes I think that women who are at the beginning of a time when they get integrated into certain communities, whether it's medical or law or, or whatever, I think that they a lot of times have to push their personal feelings aside and their their desire to have a family, and, and it's hard to sort of integrate the whole thing. And she seemed very enamored of Dr. Rapp, and, um, you know, it, it was... I think so. I think in a way it was it was sort of a complicated thing. And I will say one thing that I learned from this book is that I would never, ever, ever want to go on a trip to the Amazon, ever. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, I'm sure it's beautiful and, and you know, quiet and everything, but <laughs> it doesn't sound like a place I'd want to go on vacation. Well, I think like Michelle said earlier, Dr. Swenson was one of the more interesting characters because she was complex. And I, I saw that mostly with her relationship with Easter. She seemed to really care about him. She had taken the time to teach him some stuff. Um, you didn't see a lot of that, but she obviously cared enough for him to give him a good life there even before Marina arrived and, and also helped with, you know, taking care of him and stuff. I agree I would never want to go to the Amazon, but I find it fascinating. Usually when I see books about the Amazon fiction or non-fiction, I'll, I'll usually read them just because I find the, the whole Amazon stuff and all the creatures and flora and fauna fascinating. Yeah, I have to tip my hat to uh, Ann Patrick. She did an excellent job of describing the Amazon so so well that, that I would know I would never want to set foot anywhere near it. But uh, it, it just sounds totally, uh, uh, totally, I'm, I'm sure it's beautiful and everything, but man, uh, the, the, the the bugs alone would be enough to, to keep me away. I couldn't agree more. She did a good job of making you feel like they were crawling all over you, didn't it? Um, I wanted to go back, though, to the fact that when she was teaching, uh, 
you know, the author, uh, Marina made such a point of telling us that the whole room was just absolutely captivated and you wouldn't have considered leaving even though she was going overtime and you were missing other classes, but nobody left. So she obviously had an extremely dominating personality and we certainly saw that too when she went to the jungle. Um, yeah, and, and like we're all ending up saying, you know, there were certainly some things you liked about her and a lot of things you didn't like, but you couldn't help admiring and and she certainly made an impression on the reader. I have to say, I don't think I'd want to go to the Amazon either, but I am always interested in books like that too, Sherry. One of the first things I thought when I first started reading this book was, ooh, this is a science fiction book. Because, you know, medical fiction, science fiction, a lot of times that kind of mixes together. And not only that, ooh, um, you guys were talking about her descriptions. Whoa, what about that snake thing? Ooh, ee. Yeah, some of the, even when the when she went in to help the, the woman who was having the breech birth, I mean, she's, she's really, you get a real sense of, of what's going on. And um, one of the parts, I guess, that was confusing for me, and I don't know if any of you might have some thoughts about it, was when Marina took the larium, the drug, I guess, to prevent you from getting malaria, and it gave her nightmares, and then she went back in time to when she was a little girl, and she'd go visit her father in India. Um, what do you think that Ann Patchett was trying to say with, with the larium and, and with her, Marina's relationship with her father? Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, I, you could argue that she, her experiences, I, I remember she sort of had a panic attack because of crowds and how that kind of blended in with her going, you know, how she felt about being in the Amazon with the native people seeming to, like, you know, climb all over you and stuff like that. But I don't, I can't tie it together that well myself, I must say. Well, another thing that I that I really liked about the book, and I think, Alan, actually, you had mentioned it earlier, was the relationship between Anders and his wife, I want to say Karen. And I really like the letters um, that we heard a little bit about. Um, I think um, that when Anders got sick, he was giving the letters to um, Easter to mail, you know, if you call waiting for a boat, mailing them. And then Easter gave the letters to Marina one at a time, so we got to hear them. And they were really nice, and I think that was like one of the nicer relationships in the story was between Anders, who we never really met very much in the, in the book, but heard a lot about, and his wife, um, you know, waiting at home with, with their sons. Um, I thought that was, you know, that was like a a balance, I guess, to everything that was going on in the Amazon. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you, Michelle, because the, 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 the personal kind of stuff does does connect with me, and uh, uh, that was about all I remember getting of, of that kind of r- real human kind of interaction, kind of kind of touching family kind of stuff, and I, I like that too. One thing I heard in an interview with Ann Patchett that really sh- surprised me is the interviewer told her that he thought he laughed throughout the book and that he thought it was very funny and she agreed with them that there was a lot of comedy in this book and i couldn't really remember any comedy maybe the bowbinders were a bit you know dippy and so there was a little bit of lightness there 
but I certainly don't think I laughed in the entire book. And also, I agree with Leela that snake, that anaconda situation was uh, was really well written adventure. Yeah, I don't think there was comedy like slapstick kind of comedy. Some of the stuff I thought was kind of funny in a way. Like I found Milton as a character kind of funny because he was just always there. Whenever you needed him, like, he just miraculously would appear, and he could handle everything, and I thought, you know, and my dad's name actually was Milton, so that had a special relationship for me, but I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to have somebody like that in your real life that just magically appears and sort of handles everything for you? And, you know, the Bowfenders were a little bit funny, too, so I don't think there was laugh-out-loud comedy, but I think there were comic touches, and even... I, I don't know. I mean, not. you're right. There's not really that many, but, um, you know, a little bit sort of here and there. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Sherry. I, at least in the first half that, that I read of the book, I didn't find anything that seemed like it was much much humor at all. Uh, and, darn, I, did, did she ever get her luggage? I mean, I know this is stupid, but... Uh, did, 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 her, did her original luggage ever make it to her or not? No, it never did. She picked up things along the way that people either gave her or or bought for her or whatever, but no, she never did. Well, I I thought the reason why she she lost her luggage actually was because of her appearance, because she was dark-featured and dark-skinned, and she looked more like her father. And she came from um, Scandinavian country in Minnesota, where everybody's very fair and very blonde, and... I, I thought the reason why was that they wanted her to sort of blend into the environment and to have to use native objects. So the fact that they, you know, it was kind of funny that, yes, yeah, she kept losing her luggage and, and, and whatever, but also the fact that she had to adapt to the environment. And I think Leela mentioned how well Marina adapted, and she did. I mean, a lot better than I would have if if I had to adapt to all the things that she had to adapt to. So, it was it was very good, actually. And um, I think um, Sherry, did we want to mention the book for for next month? I haven't read it yet, but I know Sherry can tell you a little bit about it. Yeah, we can do that. First, let's see if anybody else has anything to say about this book, and if not, I'll go ahead and tell you about the next one. Hi, this is Jenny. I just wanted to say that. One of the things I think was good about the writing is that whenever I've read about the Amazon, it's always been romanticized, beautiful flowers, but you never get what it might be like um, to actually be there and feel, you know, the discomforts. And so to me this was really interesting that she went her own way with writing about this. Maybe I'm weird, maybe I'm being romantic, but I honestly thought Milton and Marina might have a relationship at one point. Well, that would have been more interesting than Mr. Fox, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, in this interview, I keep mentioning um, Ann Patchett said she did try to go down to the Amazon, but she ended up, for some reason, getting stuck in Peru instead of, I think this this book took place in Brazil, but she was on a part of the Amazon, but she didn't experience quite the same degree of deprivation that this book describes. Well, I, I know I, we both listened to a couple of interviews, and I thought in one of them she mentioned that she's friends with the opera singer Renee Fleming, and that Renee Fleming, I think that the opera house in Manaus actually is a real place, 
and that Renee Fleming, I think, was supposed to be singing there, and um, I think she got involved with her, and that's actually when she was doing the book Bel Canto and everything. So I guess a little bit of the story probably is based on on real places and, and real real things. I think it's supposed to be a very ornate kind of uh, opera house. So I don't know. That was interesting. Yes, I remember the uh, reading other when I was a kid about Manaus. It was built during the rubber boom, I think. Or there were some cities like that where they had these very innate opera houses during the boom times and of course they being partial ghost town okay well i'll tell you about the next book um our next meeting will be the um tuesday september 9th so it's earlier in the month this book is only about 12 hours though so it's not bad it's called the sisters weiss w-e-i-s-s and it's by naomi ragen and her last name is r-a-g-e-n the db number is seven eight zero zero five i'll repeat this it's the sisters weiss by naomi ragen r-a-g-e-n the db number is seven eight zero zero five and i did put that up in the chat window um this is a book of this is a family drama i really really like this book a lot it's about a woman rose who runs away from her extremely religious strict religious upbringing and becomes a successful photographer And then years later, her niece also runs away and comes to New York to join Rose. And Rose is torn between, she went through a lot of isolation and pain in running away and and pretty much losing her family. So does she help this niece? Is there loyalty to her sister, whom she hasn't seen in years? Should she call her sister and tell her that her niece is in New York and where she is? Should she help the girl escape the strict religious upbringing? And there's a lot of... um, I thought the characters were really well-developed and complex, too. And I'm not giving anything away in the plot. This is all in the NLS annotation. So I won't say any more about it, but hopefully you can all join us next month for this book. Do you know if it's on Bookshare, Sherry? If No, I, I can look if you don't know. I, I'm, I'm about 99% certain that it, it is on Bookshare. And I've actually never read this author before. Um, she's I think she lives in Israel and I think she originally was from from New York and she I actually learned something when Sherry and I were talking about this book because I didn't I didn't know this Sherry used the word ultra orthodox and I thought ultra orthodox orthodox is orthodox well apparently it's not <laughs> there's in in the Jewish religion there's um, modern orthodox and then there's um, Hasidim, Hasidim, I'm saying it wrong, Orthodox, which is what I think the characters are in this story. And they're the people who are the most Orthodox. Modern Orthodox people, um, they will send their daughters to college, sometimes further than college, but in, in an ultra-Orthodox, it's, it's a very different way of, of, of living. And so for me, it's kind of interesting because I don't actually have any exposure to this. And I'll be back. Yes, hi, this is Jenny. Um, I'm just actually reading this book now and liking it very much, but I read almost all of Naomi Reagan's books and recommend them highly. I started reading them after my World Religions class and um, brings up a lot of fascinating detail about um, the ultra-Orthodox lifestyle and um, the plots are very good and um, also, I'm curious, I guess M- Michelle is no longer with us, but since she's read all of um, Ann Patch's books, I'm wondering which is her favorite, since I'm 
probably going to want to read another one, mostly for the language. Well, thank you all for putting up with my uh, not reading the entire book, and thanks for everybody's good comments uh, tonight. I enjoyed the discussion, and uh, I'll, I'll catch you guys next time, and everybody have a good, uh, a good evening. Thanks again. I'm back. Um, I read some of Ann Patchett's books. I have her most famous book is Bel Canto, which I've not read. Um, so that would be her most famous one. Um, and she's also written some nonfiction. She has a book that just came out, The Story of a Happy Marriage, um, which is supposed to be very good. Um, her first book is The Patron Saint of Liars, which I did read. Um, and I read Taft and The Magician's Assistant, I think, are both on Bookshare. And I, um, and I didn't read Bel Canto. So probably Bel Canto, if you're going to read another one of her books, would be the one that everyone would say to read um, because it's her most famous, her most acclaimed book, I guess. I can't remember. Has this group read a book by Leanne Moriarty? Um, and if so, or even if you haven't, if you're interested, uh, there's a brand new book out by her at, that at least is on um, Audible. Well, I know Sherry read one of her books, and she has another book called What Alice Forgot, which I downloaded and I haven't read yet. So, um, you know, also, if anybody has, like, for example, this author, but if anybody has an author or a book that they particularly liked, you can let us know, and, you know, we're, we're certainly welcome, open to suggestions, because we run out of ideas sometimes, so um, I don't know the name of her new book, um, but you're right, it's been getting a lot of airplay and stuff. And she wrote uh, The Husband's Secret, and I did read that, and I liked it. I'll take this chance to plug uh, After the Prophet on uh, Journey Through History next uh, September 2nd. I won't be there, but uh, it's a very good book by Leslie Hazelton, and uh, you can find it after The Prophet is the name on Talking Book. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading After the Prophet to finally maybe understand you know the differences between Sunni and Shia and how they split originally and stuff. Uh, Jill, that's the book I read was The Husband's Secret, and I really liked it too. Um, I, I have, think probably I have some more of her books on my to-be-read list that I haven't gotten to yet. Well, I just wanted to thank everybody for coming tonight and for coming these past 12 months because it's really been so nice having everybody. And, you know, we were a little nervous to, to start another book group because there's so many book groups on Accessible World, but we're really happy to do this. And, um, and we're really thankful that, that you all come. So, you know, thank you so much. It's really, it's, it's really been wonderful, you know, doing this once a month. I have to say, I just started this book after The Prophet, and it is a great book and short. Can anybody fill me in on what the mystery book is, Cub book is for next month? Um, I would say probably the best thing is to write to Anne Parsons and ask her, because I, I, I honestly don't know <laughs> what the book is. Um, possibly on the Accessible World site it might be listed. Sometimes there's uh, announcements, but I, I, I don't really know. But she, she would know. Yeah, I don't know either. I try to keep track of them all, but the newswires don't always seem to come out enough to let me know what's coming up. 
This is Jenny, and I've heard a couple of people now mention a book called After the Prophet. And since my world religions class, I really do like um, reading books about um, you know, faith and metaphysics. So could somebody say a little more, tell me more about the book? Yes. Um, After the Prophet is um, the next book that the History Book Group is doing, which is September 2nd, which is the Tuesday before this group. It's easy for me to remember because they're all on Tuesdays. Um, And I started reading it. It's about seven hours, and I read about two hours. And the first two hours basically have a lot to do with religion. Um, But I understand as the book goes along, it becomes more political, um, so it's, it's basically explaining the split between the, the Shia and the, and the Sunni Muslims and how that all happened. Um, and it's very, it's really well written. I mean, I know zero about this, and it's very, very easy to follow. So um, if you're interested, that's the next book that the History Group is doing. It's called After the Prophet, and the author is Leslie Hazelton, and it is available on Bard. One thing nice about the history group, too, is that Don Queen, who moderates the group, always has an interview with the author that he plays before we talk about the book. So you also get to hear the author interviewed. And, Don, I'll let you chime in if you have anything you want to add about the book. I was going to say, I wish when I had read The the Kite Runner um, that I had known more about the Sunni and the um, Shia religions because... They talk about it as if we all knew, and we didn't at the time. And I wish I'd had this book available to me before I read the Kite Runner. Yeah, it, it, despite all the violence, it, it's supposedly they settle these problems from time to time and get along. But uh, it, it it is a very interesting story. It kind of gives a the picture of uh, the, was it the seventh or eighth century A.D. When uh, Muhammad had his uh, uh, dream or uh, visit, visitation, and uh, and the uh, the war that started up after his death, and um, his how is the the two factions of the family fighting, and that's where it all kind of began. And she kind of gives a geopolitical uh, what the, it was like too, I believe, in the book. It did in the lectures anyway. Yeah, it was. It's very interesting so far. Um, Muhammad had nine wives, and the conflict seems to be taking place between his ninth wife, and then his. It's his nephew, but it's also his son-in-law, um, and and that's where the split sort of went and everything. And part of the problem, I think, is that he never, even though he had nine wives, he didn't have any sons. So they were they needed. A succession, and that's where this all sort of happened. And you learn other things like um, why women wear wore veils in this. You know, there, there's a lot of explanations about things that we all have heard about. So it's very interesting. I mean, and it's a short book too, which is always good. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Um, one of the things I notice when I read Newsline is constant references to all these crazy conflicts that sometimes affect us here in the United States as well between the, the Shiites and the Sunnis. I should be able to remember this. I got an A in World Religions. I loved it. But for some reason, it doesn't stick. So maybe it will when I read this. I don't think many people heard of Shia and Sunni before all these troubles started. I mean, uh, they, they talked about this big fight and how it, uh, the massacre uh, and so on. And that that's... Uh, 
what happened, but uh, not now. That's all you hear. Well, anybody, so I'm going to just say good night, everybody, and, and it's been really nice. And um, I will see you all in, in the various book groups and then again next month for the Sister Way. So thanks so much and good night. Well, good night, everybody. I'm going to call it a night, too. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you guys for a wonderful show, as always.